Bible passage today is taken from the book of Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. I read, Peace and hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and, per and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was brilliant. Um, and thank you too, Mark, for those prayers because they've set up brilliantly uh, what I want to talk about today. Um, so we've left 2019 behind us. Many regarded it as a, uh, an anus horribilis or whatever they say, a dreadful year, one of those bad years. You know, and we've leapt into 2020. How's it been going for you so far? Are you full of hope? Or like me, do you have, uh, do you kind of look around the world and uh, see some of the stuff that's going on, some of the stuff that Mark was praying about, and kind of feel a little hopeless, to be perfectly honest? I mean, it's hard not to look at what's been happening in the Middle East, in, in Iran, uh, and so on, and just feeling that there's a situation that's out of control there. Or you think about climate change and you think about the inability of our leaders to get to grips with that and to give some real leadership and you look at how Australia is burning and, and my daughter's out there and we were, we were talking with her the other day and it is horrendous what's happening and yet people just kind of seem to shrug their shoulders and say we'll carry on as normal. Well maybe you've got some more personal concerns things that are disappointing you, things that are leaving you with a feeling of helplessness. I was, on Thursday afternoon, I had a cup of tea with a guy who, who runs quite a significant charity, um, and they're having a really tough time. It wasn't a Russia, but I could easily have had that conversation with a Russia. These people are having a really tough time, and the chief exec was saying to me, he said, I just don't know if we're going to be able to carry on. We may have to close. He was feeling totally helpless. How has 2020 started for you? Life can seem hopeless at times, can't it? And do you know what? I've got some bad news for you. It's only going to get worse. You're just eight sleeps away from the worst day of the year, Blue Monday, on the 20th of January 2020. And that's the day they tell us is most, supposed to be the single most depressing day of the year. It's when all those factors come together in a perfect storm. You know, the festive period is behind us. That's gone. We gained a few pounds around our waists. 
and we've lost a very significant number of pounds out of our bank balances. And we're back at work. We're back hunting for work. It's so easy, isn't it, to get that feeling of flat hopelessness. So what do we do about it? Well, in, in preparing for Blue Monday, the media very helpfully have given us a couple of suggestions. First thing they said is, get an exercise regime. Yeah? Okay, maybe you're doing that already. Maybe that's good, yeah? Or if you don't feel like doing exercise, maybe just find some other things to do, something to take your mind off the immediate stuff. Just go to the cinema or something. Go and see something uplifting like 1917 or, or something like that. <laughs> Or I've got a better idea. How about you read and commit this verse to heart? Verse 3 from our reading today. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. If you think about that, that's quite an extraordinary verse. It says that as Christians... We're to be a people of hope. It's what marks us out as Christians. But it doesn't say that we're to be a people who are immune from suffering, from challenges. We are no less likely to face them than anybody else. Indeed, some would argue that we are more likely to face them than other people. But, amazingly, our hope is rooted in our suffering. Let's work through the logic of the verse, because it is a verse that seems to defy logic. And what Paul's describing here is a process that we go through as Christians. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Let's look briefly at each element of that. So we start with sufferings. We start with the reality, the nitty-gritty of life. Paul doesn't, as I say, discuss whether a Christian should experience suffering is just a given. We are going to. No doubt, no debate. Being a Christian is a hard life. Things often don't work out as we planned, as we'd hoped. I look around here, and I bet all of us have our own stories to tell. Who has never experienced shattered hope or seen some of your deepest dreams turned into nightmares? who's never lost hope. I think one of the most poignant phrases in the English language, one of the ones that really cuts to the heart, is that phrase, I had hoped. That phrase that speaks of regret, of disappointment. And all of us will have said it at some point. Some of us, for example, may may never have married, may have had a relationship, and it didn't work out and have said, I'd hoped that would be the one. Or some of us maybe are in marriages that just haven't worked out the way we hoped. Saying, when I said, till death us do part, I'd hoped. Or what about if you've been looking for a job? You've applied for so many, and you just get that deafening silence, or that no thank you letter. Or like another guy I was speaking to this week, you had a job, but you've been told it's coming to an end. The company's got into trouble. 
and you'd hoped that was how it was going to be for the rest of your working life. What about illness and death? I remember so vividly talking to my mother after my father died, just after he had retired. And I heard her say those words, we had hoped. Or maybe it's your children that are disappointing you. Or maybe you've wanted children and it's never happened. We'd hoped. There are so many situations where we use those words, aren't they? Our hopes are like light bulbs. I was changing light bulbs yesterday and it, it just struck me. You know, our hopes, they're bright and they're promising, but they're so fragile. Something unexpected happens and they shatter and you're left in darkness. Now, I've been talking about major life events, but funnily enough, the word that Paul uses in this verse, and I'm no Greek scholar, so I had to check this one, is thalipsis, okay? And it encompasses more than these sort of very significant things. It includes the, con- the idea of, a, of just living under pressure in a godless and hostile world. It's what maybe an earlier generation might have talked about as trials and tribulations, Things don't go as we hoped. We lose hope. We want to give up. And yet Paul says, amazingly, in those circumstances, we should rejoice. Why? Well, because the process he describes shows how good can come from suffering. In this one sentence, he's not trying to give a full-blown theological treatise on uh, on suffering itself. But what he is saying is that suffering that comes from being a Christian can generate good consequences in our lives. And he goes on to list them. And I'll just go through them very quickly. First thing is that suffering produces perseverance. Think about that. How does that work? Have you had a flu jab? Who's had a flu jab this year? Okay. Well, that's what it is. In essence, that's what Paul's saying here. He says, you get a little dose, and it builds up your endurance, and you can survive a bigger dose, and so on. Or Steve, I look at you. You know, you run marathons. Probably other people here run marathons. Frequently, I believe. Um, and you have to build up your endurance. You have to persevere. You have to train. Yeah? And that's what builds up the endurance. But I suspect it comes out of suffering, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, suffering's real. Paul's in no doubt about that. But it doesn't mean that the race is over. Instead, suffering produces perseverance, that get-up-and-go instinct that carries you on. And then he goes on, he says, your perseverance builds character. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by character? I think he means... Not the character you inherit, not the stuff that I got from my parents, but the stuff that gets built up through my experience. My mother would tell you that uh, I spent the second year of, of my life in hospital, and she said that was really character forming. You, you came out of that quite a different character to how you went in. Not all of it was nice, but you were a different character. But you were a gutsy little individual uh, came out of it. You also had learnt some language that we never taught you at home. (laughs) Perseverance builds character. 
it's kind of, it's, it's the refiner's fire, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, as you, you know, again, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a smelter or whatever, but it's, it's that heat, that intensity that refines the metal, that makes it pure. And that's the character that Paul's talking about. If you want to know more about that, read it in Job. Read about Job. He says, he knows the way I take. He has tested me, and I come forth as gold. I just want to show you another image, a really interesting image that I got sent, talking about Australia and the fires there. And I don't know if you can see that, but what you're looking at there is something called black boys or grass trees. And it's springing to life. That area was burnt to the ground about a month before the photograph was taken, completely wasted. And then you see this stuff growing. And what's really, really interesting about it is not just that it's growing, but actually it wouldn't have grown if the fire hadn't come in the first place. Heat from the fire cracks the plant's hard seed, and that's what enables it to get this new life. Really interesting image. So what I'm saying here, or hopefully not what I'm saying, what Paul's saying is that suffering doesn't rob Christians, doesn't rob us Christians of our potential. Suffering plus perseverance helps us fulfill our potential, becomes the people that God wanted us to be. And the end point is we become people of hope. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. That is our character. We are people of hope. If suffering is the start point, hope's the end point. And what is this hope? What is this hope that we've got? Well, again, in these short verses, Paul doesn't give us the great theological treatise on hope here. He simply describes our hope as hope of the glory of God. Hope of knowing that we are God's possession. Hope that we are God's adopted children. The security, the status, the protection, the affection that that brings. It's about participating fully in God's life. His glory, where his kingdom reigns, where his will is done, where everything is as he meant it to be. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul talks about the hope of glory that is Christ in us. How we become the people that God meant us to be. How we have his character in us. That's the character that gets created. He talks about our adoption as children. He talks about us as co-heirs with Jesus. Inheritors of the co-heirs. Inheritors of the king of the universe. Deep stuff, very deep stuff, and probably too deep for me to go into in the time that's available this morning. Um, I mean, how can you, you know, the Bible describes these as being the unfathomable riches of God. How can I, in two minutes, describe those to you? That might be a topic for another day, or it might be a topic that you want to explore in your growth group or in your your personal reading times. What does it mean to have hope the glory of God. I want to press on because Paul tells us a couple of other things about our hope in this passage, though. Firstly, he says our hope should be based on getting God's perspective of our situation. When all we can see around us 
is our trials and tribulations. We need to get God's perspective on it. And that's what this passage does very succinctly. In verses 1 to 2 of our reading today, it describes what God has done for us, how he has made peace between us when we couldn't do it ourselves, how he has dealt with our past, and what he plans for our future. We boast in the hope of the glory of God in verse 5. And I want to suggest that having this perspective gives us confidence in a God that allows us to experience the future now. What our future is, we can live it now and enjoy it now. That's what I think Jesus meant when he prayed for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, that we should be in the world, but not of the world. I think that's what Paul meant when he said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I remember once going to see a a Rolling Stones concert uh, at Wembley Stadium in 1990, in June 1990 it was. I remember it vividly because it clashed with England getting to a World Cup semi-final. And who could have predicted that? And I was so torn, but I kind of thought, I've got to live in the present. I've paid a fortune for these Rolling Stones tickets. I'm going to enjoy it. And then, all of a sudden, I was miles away from it. All of a sudden, there's a huge cheer goes up. And I'm peering, trying to work out what it, you know, is Mick Jagger taking his trousers off? What has happened? And suddenly it clicked that there were people listening to their radios. And Gary Lineker had just equalized. And we were back in the game. You see, the people there were on a different frequency. They'd got an eye on somewhere else as well. And that's what God calls us to do, to have an eye on the things above as well as the things here and now, to tune into his frequency, Hope FM. Second thing that uh, I'm going to stay with with, uh, this quickly, a second thing that we uh, see Paul, Paul talking about in terms of hope here is verse five, hope does not put us to shame. And I'm afraid I'm going to stay with the sporting picture here because as I was preparing this talk, on Tuesday afternoon, I was half listening to the closing stages of a test match taking place in South Africa. And an England win, which had seemed a formality early in the day, started to appear more, more dubious, and so on. And my mind wandered, and it wandered back to Leeds this summer, to Headingley, where England were playing Australia. You may recall the exploits of this man. England chasing 359 to win. And as the day went by and the wickets fell, it looked more and more remote. But where there is Ben Stokes, there is always hope. And so it proved. And I won't... I, my children, if my children were here, they'd be holding their heads in their hands. And we'd go, oh, no, Dad's going into one of his long sports stories now. I'm not going to. I can see Mark tapping his watch. Just for the record, Ben Stokes saved the day at Headingley and he saved the day at Cape Town. And where there is Ben Stokes, there is always hope. But there's a really important difference. The reason those events are so exciting is because we don't know if Ben Stokes will pull it off this time. There's always the possibility of failure. But with the hope we have in God, there is no possibility of failure. 
It is a certain hope. It is a hope that does not disappoint. It's a hope that this version has, does not put us to shame. It won't leave us embarrassed because it doesn't happen. Because it will happen. It is happening. The God of the universe has promised us. It's not a vain hope. Our hope is a sure and certain hope. And as I worked through this, that left me puzzling just over one little phrase that I'd bitten over earlier in verse 3, when Paul says, we glory in our sufferings. Yeah, I've got all that stuff. And then he says, because we know. And I thought, what do we know? And as I unpacked this, I thought, yeah, I now know what I know. I know that it is. Our trials and tribulations are not meant to drive us from God. They're meant to draw us to him. With the perspective that Paul gives in these verses, our sufferings, the things that could make me hopeless, are part of a formative process that makes me hopeful. In fact, hope-filled. It creates a longing in me to see that hope fulfilled, a hunger and a thirst for God. And that's why I rejoice. Through suffering, in that weird way that God has of dealing with things, that counterintuitive way, through but suffering, we come to know him more intimately and we long to be with him more closely. So that's what we know. I want to ask one final question, which is, how do we know? And sure, we can read the Bible. Some of the stuff I hope that I've shared with you adds to our understanding of that. But there's something more, isn't there? We know because we experience it. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Let me give you just one little illustration of what that looks like. Um, as I was saying to you, I, I, as a child, uh, I, I had a number of operations, and I was, I was really clumsy. I wasn't very steady on my feet. And so you can imagine that as a child rushing around, playing games, I ended up having many accidents, many tumbles, many falls. And every time I fell over, it hurt. Physically, it hurt. But actually, often, as they say, sticks and stones, it was the fact that other kids would say to me, you're hopeless. You're hopeless. But whenever that happened, there was always my mum or my dad to wrap their arms around me, to soothe the physical pain, and to tell me that I wasn't hopeless. That I was their child, and I was deeply, deeply loved by them. And to give me the strength to get up and get on with the next part of my life. And that's what Paul is describing here when he says God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Last week, Mark challenged us. He said, what would we like to give to God? And there were some really great answers. The answers that I'm sure as a preacher you hope for when people say, I want to give my life to God. I want to give my heart to God. I want to give my time, my talents. And I sat there, and there was something else I wanted to give to God, and I wasn't brave enough to come and tell Mark what it was. But what I wanted to give God was my disappointments, my sense of hopelessness at times. I wanted to give them to God because I don't want them, because they're not good for me. They crush me. They make me bitter. 
And I think this passage invites us to give those to God, to give all the things to him that make us despair, that dampen our spirits, that deflate us, that crush us. And to accept from God in exchange what he offers us, which is an assurance of hope that comes from his love being poured out in our hearts. I want to stop there. I want to stop preaching. And if you're in listening mode, I want you to stop listening. Well, stop listening to me. And to let God speak. Because I think God has got something of real importance to say to us this morning. I think he wants us to stop focusing on the stuff that's surrounding us, that's deflating us, that makes us hopeless. So I want to invite you to close your eyes. Open your ears to listen to God. Maybe open your hands to receive from God. As you open your ears, you may hear God speaking to you. And he tends to speak in a still, small voice. A voice that says, with me, nothing is hopeless. You can boast in the hope of sharing in my glory. That whisper that says, I love you. Let me hug you. Let there be nothing to separate us. A voice that says, you may feel you have failed in something, but do not lose hope. If you have failed in something, that doesn't make you a failure. How can you be? I made you, and I don't make mistakes. I look at what I make, and I see it's good. And the voice continues to whisper, you're not alone. You're part of my family. You are my beloved, adopted child. So don't give up. Let's go on. Be hopeful. And receive my love that I am pouring out into your heart. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Mark. I wonder if we could stand together. Could we do that?